Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Orangecrest Community Church. My name is Pastor Josh De La Rosa. Thanks for joining us. I know you're probably in your home on a phone or on a screen, TV screen, computer screen, and we're just grateful that you've decided to worship with us this morning. Today, we're going to start a brand new series of messages called Bless This Home. And we're basing this off of Jesus' teaching from the Bible in a, in a specific section known as the Sermon on the Mount. And this is actually known as Jesus' greatest sermon of all time. It was delivered at the height of Jesus' popularity. Uh, whenever Jesus taught, the crowds, and they were massive crowds, they would really lean in and listen. And among the crowds was also a, a small group listening from among the religious elite of Jesus' day. Uh, they were called the scribes and the Pharisees. And they were your religious professionals who set the bar really high related to spiritual expectations. And, and so the average uh, man or, or woman couldn't identify with the standards, really the outrageous standards that the religious leaders set for them. Uh, most people would think, these, these religious professionals are just out of my league. And so uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they took religious levels uh, to ridiculous places. And so they started looking down on everyone else. So the average person felt pretty beaten down by the atmosphere of the religious culture. And that's the culture that Jesus stepped into. He stepped into the world, into a, into a culture, and he started teaching about the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus was God himself, and he took on flesh, and he began to explain what life in God's kingdom is life, like. So the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is vividly painting a picture of how the people in God's kingdom would would live in terms of character, conduct, and their spiritual life. And because the system of religion that was really defined by that religious elite was overwhelming and, and lofty and, and really complex, um, again, most people had concluded that they couldn't really get into the kingdom of God. So Jesus, he wanted to set that record straight. He wanted his followers in that time and all of those who would follow after them to know what the kingdom of God was really like, and how to get into the kingdom. So in this series, uh, we're going to look at a section in the Bible, again, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And a portion of it that we're going to be looking at is called the Beatitudes. And want to apply this to life in our homes, which is really appropriate. Since here in California, we've pretty much not left our homes other than for essential purposes for about two months now. So let's, let's look and see from Jesus' sermon and focus in on the attitudes that Jesus has really blessed the homes where these attitudes are lived out. Now a major theme in the sermon that Jesus delivers is this, is to focus on the attitudes of the heart and mind and not just appearances and achievements. Now Jesus showed that life is not about how you look on the outside the externals. It's not just about those externals, but really it's about who you are on the inside, what's going on inside of you. One time Jesus actually blasted the hypocritical Pharisees when he said, he, he said to them, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. See, Jesus wants life change. Not just appearances, not just external performance or ritual, but deep heart and life change. That's, that's what Jesus is laying out in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Now, the whole Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. That's in the New Testament, the second uh, section of the Bible, the book of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. That's where you find this sermon. But we're only going to focus in on four verses from that sermon. And so our focus is in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. Uh, before we get any further, though, if you're, if you're not living with family right now and you're you're tuning in and you're seeing we're talking about bless this home and if you're if you're thinking okay this is only for families right now so if you're if you're a student and you're living away from home or if you're single you live alone maybe you're divorced or you're widowed i I would just say don't check out if you've got roommates then you can apply jesus's sermon to your life i guarantee if you do it'll bless all of those people in your home also if you do live alone as you apply these attitudes to your life it will bless and build up god's family As you relate to people in church life, these attitudes will totally enrich your church family. Same thing goes with your neighborhood. This will enrich your relationship to those people who are in close proximity to you. And so, in fact, in our church, some of the most other-focused, some of the most loving people in our church are our singles. So many of you have made OCC such a sweet place for others to explore. And so from, from one dad to those of you who are single and who invest in so many of our families and children, mine included, just want to say thank you for your investment. Okay, let's jump into the scripture and, and look at the attitudes that God blesses. The first attitude that Jesus highlights is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, and it's the attitude of being poor in spirit. Take a look, take a look at it. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, each of these four verses that we're going to cover this morning begin with these words, blessed are, and then he, he launches into an attitude. Now, this word blessed, it means happy, or it means fortunate, or even blissful. And so as you get into these verses, you see that Jesus is describing an, an inward state that is not dependent on the external circumstances of our lives. And also, as you read these words, you read, blessed are, and then you read the words after, you realize just how paradoxical these statements really seem. What I mean is, by normal standards, these attitudes, they don't seem to be the path to happiness. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. That doesn't seem to be a path to to true happiness and blessing. But, the kingdom way seems upside down from our world's values. Jesus actually, closer to his death, Jesus declared that, that his kingdom is not of this world. So, so here we go. Let's look again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So happy, blessed, are those who know they need God's help. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means I know that I'm broke spiritually. It means... I know I don't have the reserves. I don't have the resources inside of me. And so for those of you who have claimed spiritual bankruptcy, you experience the blessing of God. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Actually, this is the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven, is to be poor in spirit. It's the only way to have a relationship with God, to to be poor in spirit. What I mean is, if you are depending on your own good works, or your own goodness, or your own morality, or your own big ideas, your own opinions, to save your life and get you into God's kingdom, you're going to miss it. 
if you think you have all the answers and that God should call you up sometime for some advice, then what that means is you view yourself as the king of your own kingdom. Now, I used to be there. Before I committed my life to Christ, I didn't, I didn't want God's input on my life. I wanted to call the shots. Maybe that's where you're at today. And what I've discovered when I was 18 was that I was far from happy because my way wasn't, wasn't working. It was just leading to a lot of pain in life. And so what happened was when I was 18, uh, I had to make some major decisions. I was, I was raised in the church, but I was really in a tug of war in my heart. But at 18, I made a hard shift and I repented and It's like I filed for spiritual bankruptcy. I admitted that I had been off track and and I didn't have all the answers. And and that's right where God met me. And he can meet you there as well. In fact, on our digital connection card, if you'd like to learn more on your screen, there's there's a link for a connection card. Just please click that and let us know. You'll notice there's a few options you'll see right here. And with those options, you can let us know if you want to learn more about how to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you need to clarify what that decision looks like. Because we we would love to help you learn how to begin and really nail down your relationship with Jesus. But something I know is that many of you have already made that decision. You've already become a Christ follower. And here's the thing. God's blessing continues in our lives as we remain poor in spirit. You still need to know And you still need to admit daily that you need God's help. Essentially, that you just declare daily, I'm broke. (laughs) I I don't have the resources. I don't have the reserves uh, to cover over my life, to cover over my sin, to cover and to to solve all of the, the questions and problems and challenges. The resources aren't here. So I want to apply this at our home. And, and I actually, I, I've asked my wife of, of 20 years, Erica, to, to explain how does being poor in spirit look in, in a home? So, Erica, what, when you think of this verse, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, how does this look in, in a home? Well, for me, when I think of poor in spirit, it reminds me of, of a mom who feels exhausted and feels like she'll never reach the ideal so there's a discouragement that comes on and, um, and just, um, just this failure, um, the, the feeling of failure. And, and then, um, then I, for me, I, I come to a place where I realize that I can't fix the problems and I can't change the relational dynamics in our family. And so for, for us, um, I know that there's been many times when we've just thrown up our hands in the air and said, and put up the white flag and said, I admit it, um, or we admit it, <laughs> we need Jesus. And um, I've had to say, I don't have it all together. And even if I knew all the answers, I could not do this by myself. And I need you. Um, and really, we aren't ready to hear what God has to say until we actually come to that place where we think we need him. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and I love I love when a dad 
or, or a new husband calls me and just hits that point. And they just admit that they don't have all the answers. And I can hear it in their voice. They ask a question and they're actually asking. They're not calling me to tell me that they know the answers, but they're actually asking. They want me to point them, not to my opinion, they want, they want me to point them to God's truth, but they hit that point where they're, it's clear that they're poor in spirit. They're just desperate for God's help. And that is so refreshing. And, and in living with me, <laughs> you've seen over the past 20 plus years now, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and as a husband, or as a father, or as, or as a pastor to our church, the sooner I hit this point, the better. It goes better for everyone. Uh, but it's so easy to resist and to just try to rely on myself and my own resources. So it's really in, it's in our desperation is what I hear you saying. It's our desperation when we invite God's help that God steps in and works. And he's already here, but he, he gives us the power and the help that we need. And from there, we can begin to experience the blessing in our homes. Anything else you'd like to add? Well, the other thing is I think that this verse is an invitation from the Lord. He, he actually wants us to admit that we need him. And he actually knows where we're at. And he's okay with that. He accepts us and he meets us where we are. Yeah, that's great. And that, that's really the first part. It's key. Don't ever get past Matthew 5, verses 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a game changer in our homes. Okay, here's the next attitude that, that God blesses. It is those who mourn. You find this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Now, if you're thinking those who mourn, and if you're thinking, hey, that's soft, or uh, that's, that sounds weak, hang on, look at the verse from Jesus, Matthew 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, you can certainly apply this to a bunch of areas in life. So let's first talk about what Jesus doesn't mean. Uh, he doesn't mean like when you cry or you pout or you complain about not getting what you want in life. So if, if for some reason you're brokenhearted over some desire, maybe it's a selfish desire or a sinful desire that's remaining unfulfilled, uh, don't go to God looking for his blessing and comfort. That's, that's really not Jesus' invitation. But Jesus is actually talking about a legitimate and reasonable Mourning. Sometimes we mourn over our sin. We do wrong and, and, and we hurt those that we love. And that's legitimate to mourn over that. Also, we mourn along with people who are struggling in life. Uh, when people walk through pain or if we walk through pain, it's, it's a natural thing to mourn. And so sometimes we're mourning over grief. And I want you to know this, that God can comfort you when you mourn. When you refuse to just sort of stuff it down, or, or if you've damaged relationships, you can be comforted if instead of walling others off or walling and boxing God out, if you turn to God instead, He'll comfort you. You shall receive His comfort, the scripture says. Some people are just too macho to turn to God with their hurts. They never experience inner healing. They never experience His, his comfort. An example of someone who's comforted by God is, is King David. King David, he, the king of Israel, he sinned in a horrible way. And you read about it in the Bible. And in Psalm chapter 51, we actually see an example of his mourning and his brokenness. And after he 
cried out to God, he maintained a state of mourning and brokenness throughout his lifetime. He received God's forgiveness, but he he continued to remain in a repentant state. He changed his life. And so you might turn to Psalm chapter 51 if you're, if you're wallowing and stuck because of sin. Uh, turn to God. Receive his comfort. God comforts perfectly. We actually as people should aim to mirror God's comfort. Uh, we won't do it perfectly, but it still can help as we come alongside and try to comfort others. On, on a similar note, as a church, we want to be people who come alongside and comfort those who are mourning and dealing with difficulty and dealing with loss. And this situation where we're, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a lot of people that are hurting. And one way that we have, as a church have come alongside those people who are serving and helping those who are mourning is we want to bless the healthcare workers at Riverside Community Hospital. And so a couple weeks ago, we invited you to take part in an opportunity to bless them. And and close to $4,000 was donated from our church, from you guys. We also wrote personalized handwritten cards with scripture and invitation to our church online services. A local restaurant in our community, uh, California Pizza Kitchen, partnered with us. They donated lunch for two units at Riverside Community Hospital. We were able to deliver that as well. We blessed over 100 healthcare workers at Riverside Community Hospital with $30 gift cards to local restaurants, to coffee shops in our area, and the hospital staff, they were extremely thankful. And we just want to show you a quick video of the delivery. And so take a look at this video. Crest Community Church. I'm Scott. And I'm Christina. And we're here dropping off lunches and gift cards with thank you notes to Riverside Community Hospital on your behalf. OCC, thank you so much for your generosity. Because of what you guys gave last Sunday, we were able to give close to $4,000 worth of gift cards and lunches to bless the workers here at Riverside Community Hospital. So thank you for partnering with us to pull off this initiative. We are really grateful to be a part of a congregation that's so generous and to be um, caring for our community in this time. Yeah, the hospital was so appreciative and really just wanted to say thank you. Isn't that exciting to be a part of comforting those who mourn and tirelessly serve the vulnerable in our community? Now here's the next attitude that Jesus addresses. It's those who are meek. Now, we don't often use that term. You find this in Matthew 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek. We don't often use this term, meek. We might actually mistakenly confuse this idea with being weak, but it doesn't mean that at all. Here's what Jesus specifically said. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The term meek itself, it means mild or soft. It was a term that's used of colts or animals whose wild spirits were broken by by a trainer, so that they could actually be brought under control by the trainer and useful. Now, do you know what's a blessing in our homes? It's people who use their power to bless others instead of controlling others, manipulating or harming others. Really, the opposite of this is when we, when we use our words to harm people. When we're careless with our words, when we're cutting people down, when we're harsh with our words... When we joke and use sarcasm in an effort to control people or to sort of boost ourselves up and bring others down, that's all just, it's damaging. 
Now, whenever we use words that tear down, what happens is other people in our homes, they shut down. Our words just cause them to shut down and close off and get fearful and be hurt. But look at the opposite. You know, words that build and bless cause people in our homes to open up, to trust, and to blossom. It is so difficult, though, to use our words in the right way, to bring our our tongue and our words under control. The humor, the tone of our culture, that all seeps into our homes. It seeps into our lives, seeps into our practices. And, And then what happens is those that we love, they get cut, they get damaged when we're careless with our words. And so Jesus, he was... He was the perfect example of meekness. Here he is, God in the flesh. He served people, he blessed others, and his words were life-giving. So, question for you, how, how can you, really how can we, use our words in our homes to bless others? How, how can we build up through specific encouragement? So as a family, or with your roommates, or just in church life, watch out for sarcasm, watch out for joking and cutting at others' expense. Meekness also just means we choose tenderness. We choose teachability. It's, it's where parents can learn from, from our kids or where kids can learn from their parents. If you tend to dominate conversations, if you don't really let others get a word in, again, that's, that's not being meek and gentle. And so to allow, allow others to get a word in, to allow, to allow others to share, that's meekness and that will bless your home. Finally, Jesus highlights another attitude. The last one we're going to look at this morning is is found in verse 6. And another attitude that he blesses, and that is of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now look at the verse, Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You see, every single day we need to eat. Our body, it needs food. It needs water daily, and, and I don't know about you, but I look forward to that experience. I'll admit it. <laughs> I really enjoy those things. And in a similar way, how, how can you make it a habit of craving to live God's way every single day? You see, righteous living, it makes a, it makes a healthy family. Living for God, it gives your family and your home and your roommates the core essential nutrients. The way that you build this into your home is to personally get into God's word and to pray. And as you set aside that time and as you treat this as a core priority, the result of this, of hungry and thirsting for righteousness, is you experience God's blessing. And so here we see in this verse, the promises, we see satisfaction. For those that do this, they shall be satisfied. There's a, there's a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that comes. Now the flip side of this, the opposite of this is, Leading our families to just sort of consume on all that which is temporary, all that which is fleeting and, and passing away. You might you might have all of the frills and the experiences and the and the treasures of this world. And you know the reality though is that the things of this world they don't satisfy, and so it leaves you empty. So that's why Jesus is calling us to feast on God's righteous ways. If we do that in our homes, we find that that will truly satisfy. The key right now to thriving in isolation, to thriving when we're sheltering in place, is to draw from the source of God's truth. If we'll draw from God's word, 
so that we live out God's righteous ways. Those of you who are doing this right now, I'm sure you can actually echo right now that you are satisfied in this time. Not to say that it's not been difficult for all of us, but if you've been drawing from God's word, hungering and thirsting for his righteousness, then I think many of you would agree and say, yeah, I have been satisfied. Again, I want to I want to invite my wife Erica to share how she works to apply this verse to her life and really also to share how does she stay hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Erica, how do you apply this verse to your life? Well, I try to keep the perspective that I'm a sinner, and that keeps me thirsty. I try not to excuse sin or brush it aside. You don't need righteousness if you candy coat your sin, so calling it what it is. It's not venting. That's actually complaining. It's not my opinion. That was judgmental. It's not concern. It's actually worry. The other thing I do is I use Jesus as the standard, not people. That keeps me from discouragement and pride. Mm which is the enemy of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. If I'm looking to people, I can get prideful because there's always someone else around me that's not doing what God's word says. If I see someone who seems to have it all together, super kind, patient, then I say, where's the magic key? Can I have some of that potion? Or it makes me impatient. Can I just change faster? So I have to go to God and and I do this by going to his word. God's word is like a mirror in my life, and whenever I look to it, he clarifies the things that I need to change, and it's it's really like an assessment tool. You don't know if you're living rightly if you don't come to God and, and see what he says is really actually righteousness, uh, That and that actually propels me in my love for Jesus because I know I need him. Once I see what his word says, I know I fall short, and I need his forgiveness, and it really propels me to um, to really seek God. Yeah, that's really helpful. And we want to encourage you to to think through applying this morning's message. In fact, we've got some next steps at the bottom of your uh, listening guide there. And so the first one is this. It's to identify one of these verses. F- figure out which of these to focus on and then meditate on it, meaning mull over on your mind and chew on it word by word and try to think through how can you get that into your life. So pick one of those verses from Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. Another step is to use the activity sheet to bless your home this week. We've created a, a list of fun activities or just creative activities to do with those in your home. And so uh, find one or two of those or a few of those to maybe try out and maybe you're needing a boost right now during this quarantine and so you can actually find that activity sheet on the second page of that sermon notes tab. And then also for the moms, uh, we have a special gift for you. And so mothers, if you text mom, the word mom, to 951-435-8588, we would love to send you a Cheesecake Factory gift card and a free slice of cheesecake. And so um, to all of you moms that are watching, we love you. We are grateful for you. We honor you today. And we uh, praise God for you. And moms, I would like to say that if you're feeling inadequate and needy, um, there's really hope for you as you turn to God. No matter what place you are in your mom journey, he will give you what you need every step of the way. Only make it your goal to please him, love him, and serve him alone. And the rest will follow. Hey, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word as we've looked at your truth 
and clarified uh, some of these attitudes, Lord, that, that you want us to work into our homes. I pray that you give us the power and strength, Lord, to take the next steps of applying these to our life. And we pray that you'd bring this blessing, God, into our homes, into our lives, and even to extend your love uh, towards those around us. And so we thank you for this time. We pray for all the moms that are watching, that they would really be refreshed and encouraged today. In Jesus' name, amen.